sitting at the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the Savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame for an angel it was told down from heaven came folks came from all around from near and far just to sit here at the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir just to sit here at the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir the acceptance of death as part of god's creation does not bring with it as much joy as one would hope. It's good to see everyone here. Thanks yeah. for being here tonight. Um, happy Lent. Uh, we have, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's wrong. We have two more Sundays in Lent, though, so yeah. uh, get your sadness out before the Feast of the Revolution. Yeah, yeah, but it's not something to, you know, get rid of it, something to be present in, maybe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a much better way of putting it. Oh, yes. shoot. I just That was my punchline for the whole sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I made you give it away. No, I'm just lying. I don't know what the end of my sermon is. Are you kidding? Um, <laughs> hey, it's so good to see you all back here to see the band. I missed you when I was gone. It's good to be here. Nice to have you back. Yeah, all right. Um, and everybody here uh, watching online, uh, yeah, good to see you, too. Yeah, or listening to the podcast. Listening to the podcast. Uh -huh. And, you know, you can follow the service either on our website or in your hymnal. So yeah, absolutely. Order services there. Great. We, I, so Easter, Holy Week, Good Friday is what comes first. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, what date is that? Do you know? I know it's, the, I think it's the Friday before Easter. It is. But we will be having uh, stations the of the... The 15th. The 15th. That's right, the 15th. The Stations of the Cross uh, in person for the first time in three, three years or whatever. And uh, it is going to be... It's going to be an excellent service. Uh, original artwork. People in our community and from outside our community interpreting the 14 Stations of the Cross. And uh, so please come. And then the Feast of the Revolution, Easter Sunday... April seventeenth. Yeah. April seventeenth. Yeah. We're having the brass messengers. It'll be great music. Yeah, fantastic. Um, champagne. We'll see how COVID is, but hopefully some hors d'oeuvres too. So we'll really f feast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On that feast day. I don't know if the um, if the COVID rates are down low enough, we'll be able to have that uh, chocolate fountain maybe this year <laughs> finally. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, the COVID fountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I also want to say, during Lent, we've been collecting uh, donations for Open Hands. It's the organization that meets here in this building. They serve meals, and they give away groceries and personal care items. So there's some boxes in the back. Um, two more weeks of Lent. No, one more week, one more Sunday of Lent to bring things. So if you have questions about 
what you might bring for donations, you can check it out at openhandsmidway.org. But basically, non-perishable food and self-care items. Yeah, the youngsters have been heading this up and collected. They decorated the boxes real nice back there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Do you have anything else? This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, remind us that you love us, that you haven't left us alone here on this languishing and violent and beautiful planet, where people we can't really trust are often the ones in charge. Reassure us that you have not given up on this place, that you are here and everywhere you are needed, that your mercy might sink into our bones and heal us to the cores, or at least glance faintly across our surface. We need you. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's pass a sign of peace. Join me now in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer petition with God and your mercy, and I invite you to respond, hear our prayer. Let's pray. God of mercy, we pray for all the places in this world that are in the midst of upheavals that threaten the lives or well-being or possibility of peace for the people in the midst of them. This covers quite a large part of the planet. We pray that the people who believe in violence will change their minds. We pray for miracles. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, help us not to give death the final word. Help us believe that life and love outlast it. Though we walk through the valley of its shadow, though we look it in the face as we make our way through Lent, help us not be afraid. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, most of us have a lot of things we need to work out here. How to manage to get along with each other, love our neighbors, have more compassion and less critique. Judge not, you say. It almost takes the breath away that you think we might manage that, that you ask us to do that. Help us stop judging. Help us stop holding on to resentment or a sense of superiority or a belief in our capacity to judge. Help us be open to love, to believe in the way that it works. Let love fill us. Or if that's asking a lot, may we give it our full attention, at least occasionally. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, we are often not very accepting of vulnerability in other people, or in ourselves. Our intolerance hurts us and the most vulnerable. Help us move out of this frightened and toxic place. May your love for the broken move us. May your willingness to break free us, to be truly human and to love. God, in your mercy. We pray for those who need healing, for Maria, and Steve, and Henry, and Bob. Bring to mind all those for whom we need to pray. Help us make our confessions and be attentive to you as we pause now for extended silence.
Lead us to mercy. Amen. The scripture reading tonight is from John 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, appointed Jesus' feet, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Do you know how much a pound of pure, uncut nard goes for on the street? I mean, seriously, pure nard, uncut, a pound in Bethany? Are you kidding me? Nard? I mean, this is what I'm talking about, a pound of pure nard. Now tell me this, what is Mary even doing with a pound of nard? A pound? I don't have to tell you, a little nard goes a long way. Or maybe I do. Nard is a, it's an essential oil. It's made from the roots of the nardotoshki jatamosi uh, plant. It's, a, it's part of the valerian family and it grows in China and India. Nard is used in perfume and incense. And it's used, it's commanded in, the, in Exodus and Leviticus that this nard incense is used in the tabernacle and the temple in preparing the sacrifices for the Feast of the Atonement. Everybody knows the, the priest comes out and they take this nard and they spread it over to prepare the sacrifice, the temple sacrifice at the Day of Atonement. Oh, and also the Romans put it in their food for flavor, you know, to give it that, the dish, a little uh, kick of nard, you know, uh, quale calcio di nardo, as they like to say. <laughs> but why did Mary have so much nard? And so much pure nard, uncut nard. I mean, it's an essential oil, so you can imagine how much it's worth. I mean, you buy those uh, little vials of tea tree oil for like $7. So a pound of pure nard? I mean, that would be worth a lot, especially back then. I mean, I don't even know if Bethany had a co-op. <laughs> so however Mary got the nard, it was expensive, and it was a lot of nard. Was it Mary's personal nard, 
Or is it like shared nard? Was it like family nard? Maybe she and Martha shared the nard? Maybe it was supposed to last Mary and Martha and Lazarus like maybe all year or maybe years. Maybe it was a year's supply of nard for a whole family. I'm just saying, that's a lot of nard for Mary to have. All right, I'll move on. This is a fascinating 11 verses. There are a lot of unusual details in this little pericope. It starts off six days after the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. I mean, it's, that to me is a bit too casual a mention of a resurrection for me. I mean, it's just used simply as a point of identification. Like Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, his friend from college, something like that. It's really underplaying the whole resurrection thing. You would think that it would be like, hey, you know that guy who Jesus raised from the dead? Yeah, of course, Lazarus, everyone knows that. Well, it was his house. Oh, because, you know, there's not that many resurrections. Jesus, you know how many people Jesus rose from the dead? One, Lazarus, just one. And it's a very uncommon thing. In the whole Bible, only 10 people are raised from the dead, and two of them are Jesus. So, you know, <laughs> it seems significant. Another thing, Jesus is friends with this family, this whole family. There are not a lot of families that we get to know in the Gospels. But this one keeps coming up. And the sisters, these are the only sisters in the gospel. We have brothers, two sets of brothers. We have James and John. We have Peter and Andrew. But these are the only sisters. We first meet them a chapter earlier when they ask Jesus to come and heal their brother. And when the author, author is introducing their characters, the author writes that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her brother, Lazarus. So while we're just meeting them, clearly Jesus has had an ongoing relationship with them. This whole family is important to them. And then there's the mention of Judas. This is all going on in just these few verses. Judas, I mean, what is it with this author and Judas? The author really wants to vilify Judas. I mean, of course, I get it, he betrays Jesus, sells him out, leads the soldiers to him and points Jesus out to them. But these parenthetical statements about Judas seem a little petty, I think. The text says, but Judas Icariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common person, used to steal what was put into it. Come on. The author is going to spend a lot of time later narrating Judas's betrayal scene by scene. I say, come on, John, trust the action, you know? Let the narrative play out. Show, don't tell, my man. You're better than that. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. The disciples had a treasurer? I mean, that is a weird little detail to throw in here. Was it an elected position? Was he appointed? 
And wasn't Matthew a tax collector? I mean, wouldn't that be the logical pick for treasure? The one to keep the purse? And Judas' interjection is very odd as well. Why was the perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? It's like chastising. It's spoken from a place of authority, from a position of power. Does Judas have that kind of power in the group? It's never mentioned before. Does the treasurer automatically like get a say in the allocation of all donations, cash and in kind? But it rings of assumed authority, like it's maybe an overreach on Judas's part. I mean, you can hear him kind of stamping his little size six sandals when he's saying it. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? I should point out, though, 300 denarii is like $100,000. A lot of nard. By the way Jesus reacts, it doesn't seem like it's about the money. Jesus says, leave her alone. It's a bit brusque. Leave her alone. It's like, knock it off. Or shut up, Judas. Like, maybe Judas takes this attitude a lot. Like, maybe he's always makes these whiny suggestions, like, you know, I know feeding 5,000 people is a lot to deal with, but uh, don't you think we probably should have served a vegetable? Just an observation. Shut up, Judas. What a nard. <laughs> Leave her alone, Jesus says. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. If you're really too worried about the poor, you're not gonna be missing any chances to help them. This is about something else. Mary is anointing Jesus's feet, wiping them with her hair. This is very intimate, it's a moving gesture. And there are other people in the room, Lazarus and Martha, presumably the other disciples, but only Jesus, Judas speaks up and interrupts the moment. We could have sold that and given the money to the poor. Would Judas have said that if Lazarus were anointing Jesus' feet or Peter? We could have sold that for 300 denarii. Does he not think Mary knows how much the nard is worth? Is Judas mansplaining the price of nard to Mary? Hey, it's her nard. Leave her alone. She bought it. She knows how much it costs. She paid for it. Everyone knows the price of nard, Judas. Leave her alone. She bought it for the day of my burial. This just can't be about money. Not even on Judas' part. This just can't be, as the parenthetical comment implies, that Judas sees an opportunity to put more money in the communal purse so he can steal it. It's not about the money. Everyone in that room knew what it was about. From the moment Mary took out that alabaster jar, the room fell silent. As she walked across to Jesus, all eyes followed her. When she knelt at Jesus' feet and opened the perfume of pure nard, Everyone inhaled 
And as the room was filled with that aroma, everyone in that room knew what it was about. Even Judas knew what this was about. Mary was the high priest. And as she came forward and poured that perfume, that anointing oil, an anointing Jesus, the smell of the nard, the musk root, triggered everyone's sense memory. It brought them to the temple, to the scene of the priest preparing the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement to forgive all of Israel's sins and to free Israel. As Mary wipes the anointing oil with her hair, the gesture is not one of selfishness or control. It's a gesture of acceptance an acknowledgement of Jesus' death, an acknowledgement of the inevitability of death, a gesture of acceptance that, the accept that death is completely out of our control, that we can only respond with reverence and gratitude and grace. In Lent, we not only meditate on the death of Jesus, of the willingness of the Messiah to give himself over to death, to enter into it without fear. Lent is also a time for us to contemplate the inevitability of death, of our own, of our loved ones, of the deaths that seem senseless or beyond our understanding. Death is not our enemy. It's not an evil for us to outrun, but it's very much a part of creation, of who we are. It is the clarity of the meaning of Mary's gesture that caused Judas to speak up his understanding of what that ritual meant that caused Jesus to interrupt it, to break the silence, and to try and gain control of this moment and to stop it, to try and free himself from the fragrance overcoming him, to bark out in fear in a final attempt to push back the inevitability of death, which is forever inevitably out of our control. What a beautiful thought I am thinking concerning that great speckled bird Remember her name is recorded 
on the pages of God's holy word. There are many who'd lower her standards, and they watch every move that she makes. They just want to find fault with her teachings. Though they search, they can find no mistakes. When he comes on a cloud in the morning, and his voice round the world shall be heard. You've been listening to the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at 5. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad. What a beautiful thought I am thinking Concerning that great speckled bird Remember her name is recorded on the pages of God's holy word.